All right, we're back. The rosé is poured, and we are so excited to welcome our first comedian, Mary Beth Barone, to the apartment. I keep saying Baron, and I okay. am so sorry about that. It's Barone. It's Barone, yeah. Barone. That is beautiful. Thank you. The Southerner in me wants to make it Baron. Baron, which honestly is not the worst. Like, I've had people bring me up on stage to, like, names that are just so not my name. Um, the, my favorite one that I was brought up to is Mary Beth Monroe. Oh, because that's a great name. Monroe. It's just not me. Just because you're a female. Right. I, I don't because like Marilyn Barone, Monroe. I guess they oh. just like tr- I don't know. They just got confused. Monroe. Mary Beth is based out of New York City and she writes and acts and was recently named one of Comedy Central's Up Next Comedians and has been featured in the New York Times and New York Magazine. She also hosts Drag His Ass, a fuckboy treatment program that has been gaining a lot of notoriety. If you haven't seen her monthly show at the Public Hotel, you may have heard about her infamous pamphlet she made for her family before going on a date while they were on vacation and the massive amounts of press that came from that. We are so excited to have you on. Welcome, Mary Beth. excited to be here. Thank you. Barone. Barone. Yeah, that's me. I'm here. That was a very thorough bio. Thank you. One of the best probably that I've ever seen. Well, we love how on your your actual website you write my bio in the third person. Yeah. Because I appreciate it. It's like it. everyone just I don't know, it's so awkward to just write about and you know I wrote it. Like if you go to the website, you know I'm writing we no all one know. else Obviously. who else is writing my bio, you know? <laughs> so I just like to address it. I appreciate head that. on. I I'm, I'm an open book too. Yeah, no, we are one. too. I think we've been able to talk at least 30 minutes. We were supposed to start at five guys. It's like 537. So Sometimes girls got a gab. Yeah. You and know? just get comfortable with each other. I, I think that, so you knew one of our very close friends, Becca. Yes. From before, because you guys used to, you used to go to her classes at Seoul. Yes. And you still work at Seoul, but no longer. Well, yeah. So my last day at Seoul is next week. So, okay. It's going to, yeah, I'm going to be a full-time comedian. Yeah, so exciting. Taking the plunge. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. That's Every so Every once exciting. in a while, I just take a huge risk and then it's worked out so far. Do so. you find that something you do intentionally or just like it just happens every once in a while that you get? It just happens that way. Is it a guttural thing? I just am like, once I've decided something, it's like nothing's going to stop me. So I like... I think back to when I dropped out of college just because I didn't like college. I was just like, yeah, I'm not going back. And then I moved to New York. It's just like, why did, what, who gave me the right to just like <laughs> drop out of school? But I just did it. And then here I am. What did your parents say about that? My parents are amazing because um, I have five older siblings. So I'm the youngest of six. And they are kind of, they've seen it all at this point. They're just like, they want their kids to be happy. So when I dropped out of school, you know, they had their like concerns about me being able to like get a job. But then once I got a good job at like a startup and I was kind of working my way up there, they were, you know, totally at peace with it. And then now it's kind of like, I think college degrees are just becoming less valuable and less necessary. So I feel like I kind of started the trend in a lot of ways. Congratulations. It's my impact. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. And all that you're doing now. No, it's, it's, I mean, you definitely see the fact that you have worked so hard to get where you are. I mean, that's amazing in and of itself. And I think we, out of all of our guests, we stalked you so hard last <gasps> night. So much. Yeah. We were like, we wanted to know everything about you. I, I think maybe it was just the comedy aspect, the fact that you are such a, you know, sound woman in of yourself. But I think for me, it was really like this unabashed honesty that is really refreshing. Yeah. It's just, I am who I am. And I think a lot of people have said to me after shows, like people who know me well, like you're the same on stage as you are off stage. And that's kind of always been like just how I am as a performer. Cause 
I get up there to kind of just like express my views and be myself. So yeah, sometimes it doesn't always make me look the best, but that's kind of the fun of it. And so we want to know like how in a five minute or less breakdown, because we've had people go for 30 minutes on Mm. this, but (laughs) you know, how did you actually get in to the whole comedy scene? Like how did it, how did you get the bug? Where did you start? It was really, it was totally like unplanned. So I used to want to be an actress when I was a kid. I think like a lot of kids grow up just seeing the glamour and like all the pretty dresses and stuff. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Me too. Yeah. So it's like, it's very appealing. And then, you know, as I got older, I just realized that that's not really realistic. So I, you know, just went to college to be an English teacher and I thought that's what I wanted to do, but it turns out that's not. So that's when I dropped out, moved to New York. Um, I was living here for about three and a half years, uh, or four, almost four years. Um, and I was in a pretty serious relationship. So I lived with my boyfriend and we had a very like quiet life, you know, we would do everything together and he had a lot of interests outside of like work and our relationship but I really didn't so one day I was like stoned on our couch watching Broad City and I knew that they did UCB like they went to the Upright Citizens Brigade for improv and I was like you know what I'm just gonna like sign up for improv 101 because I just want something that's mine that I can do once a week and like maybe I'll hate it but whatever so then improv really became just like an escape for me like three hours a week and I was meeting a lot of new people that just like I had a pretty sheltered upbringing because I'm from Connecticut so I felt like I was being exposed to people from different areas and like different upbringings so it was really fun and then I decided in when I was in 201 because they do levels like 101 201 301 um, at UCB when I was in 201 I said I'm going to try an open mic and I'm just going to write some stand-up I'm going to go do it I didn't really tell anyone I said if I bomb I'll never do it again but then it just like as soon as I did it I was like oh shit like it was a very like aha moment from then on it was about six months before I was like okay I need to like really do this so the boyfriend and I broke up I moved out of our apartment quit my job and that's when I worked at the front desk at Seoul and that was when I was taking some time just to figure out like how I can make it work it was a whirlwind it was like a whirlwind romance I was just like I'm in love with this thing and I just have to like to hell with everything else that gotta make it work yeah yeah and that was the aha like I love this like Mm -hmm. this is something like while you were on stage or like just talking it out or what was that moment for you I don't I don't I like can't even put it's like a high it just felt right and I can't really describe it because it just I don't know some things you just really can't put into words but I just knew it was the right thing and then I told my family and friends slowly kind of like yeah I'm just trying this comedy thing and everyone was so supportive which is like psycho because I feel like if someone came to me and said I'm gonna be a stand-up comedian I'd be like that's ridiculous that's no you're not so baffled by your family just totally being like great we you were always funny we are like a funny family we have always like comedy is just like a part of our like dynamic so I think you know at first I think because I'm good at it it's like easy to be supportive you know if I was like cringeworthy and embarrassing (laughs) my parents might be like maybe you should not do that but I think the first show they saw me do I remember was at Eastville Comedy Club which used to be in Manhattan but now it's in Brooklyn and Judah Friedlander dropped in it was like it was not a super legit like it was a bringer show which is where you have to bring audience members in order to perform that's what a lot of young comics have to do to get stage time but like my set went well and I remember it was just like I feel like they saw that and they were like okay we're we're like here for it we support you yeah 
So I'm very lucky. I want to go back to your job that you yes. had before. What job? What were you doing before? I worked at Warby Parker. Okay. I was there. I started there when I was 20 and there were about like 50 employees. So it was super small. I really grew up there. Like that was kind of my college experience because I didn't do four years of school. But I feel like those were super impactful years for me to just be at like a really fast paced company where they you know, we're super passionate about the product and also very thoughtful with like everything they did with the brand. So that was really good for me to see as like a young person, especially now. I know it sounds silly to be like my brand, but it it is what it is. Like Mm -hmm. that's just kind of the way of the world now. And I think just, it was so formative for me to kind of see basically when you do comedy, you're starting a business, but the business is you. And if you don't feel like if, if I didn't feel as strongly about my comedy as like the founders did about Warby Parker, then I, don't think you can be successful. As you dive into this world, you start to kind of discover this side to yourself. Yes. Is that what causes the demise of the relationship now that you've opened up this whole other window? Yeah. So I think for me, I've done a lot of reflecting on that relationship. We started dating when I was 22. He was one of my brother's best friends. As a 22-year-old woman, I just don't really think you're like a self-actualized person yet. So whenever I would be in relationships when I was younger, I kind of just got absorbed into that like whatever he wanted to do is what I wanted to do. So like I took skiing lessons and I watched football and we would go to Ohio for football games. Like I just really didn't have any like defining qualities about myself. And so once I had something that was just mine and I was meeting all these new people, I'm out at night, I'm like canceling trips to do shows. The dynamic that we had established over almost three years was just completely like flipped on its head. And that's when I just decided that I had to make a decision and we both weren't really like happy anymore. So it's just, it's tough to like acknowledge that in part ways as opposed to just like getting engaged or something, but I have no regrets. Of course. Yeah. And we're still friends. So. Good. I'm sure you are. I mean, it's really interesting to me, this idea of spending our lives kind of not acknowledging what it is that lights us up. It yeah. seems like you were just, you know, living your life and going yeah. through going all through the, mo- the yeah, motions. Exactly. And honestly, like Soul Cycle played like a pretty big role for me in that time because I was it getting back into shape and I, I was I had like more confidence. And I think like when I know that the podcast isn't about soul cycle, but I feel like when you're on the bike, you just have a lot of clarity. And like Becca, we used to, my, my boyfriend and I used to go to Becca like every Tuesday, Thursday at 7 a.m. And I think it was just like through those classes and just like the message that you get when you're in class is always so positive. And like through that, I just really was able to like open myself up to doing things like that, which I never would have maybe tried if I wasn't like feeling good about myself and like I was in a supportive relationship so if it was a flop and like comedy wasn't what I wanted to do I knew that I would be okay yeah so that's like you know obviously a privileged place to be but I I think it worked out (laughs) being a female comedian in the industry it's it's hard I feel like that comes with so many different titles and judgments and we want to know from you like what do you feel comes along with it like what do you feel like when you're on stage and they like you're with all the guys or guys are before you or after you like what's that feeling like it's definitely uh it can be alienating at times I mean comedians can be a pretty socially awkward guy or girl so sometimes in the green room you know even if it's like women and men it's still awkward but it's definitely like (laughs) 
when I'm in the green room and it's just guys, I'm just like, I don't want to talk to you necessarily. Um, so, you know, it's just like it, you don't when I was doing open mics, I think I saw kind of guys would become friends like throughout just like hitting mics together. Like and bros. like, yeah, they become bros. And I didn't really feel like there was any sense of that. Like as a woman, men support each other. I think sometimes women don't support each other. So that's something that I've really tried to do. Um, just like always pay it forward because I feel like no one really wanted to help me when I was first starting out. And I understand because you work so hard to like get the contacts that you have and networking and late nights and just like busting your back to to get like an inch, you know, like the progress seems so slow. So I get why people hold it like close to the chest. But I've just tried to really be like helpful to people when they come to me for like advice and connecting people because I just feel like that will come back to me at some point. We talk about this a lot, this idea of there's not a limited number of spaces. Yeah. Like somebody else's success does not inhibit yours by yeah. any means. Someone said to me the other day, actually, they're like, I can't believe that you actually spent the time with me on the phone to speak to me and and, and give me some guidance in this area. And I was like, you've helped me. You've yeah. helped me in the past. We like back in PR in the PR world, you used to give me articles. You used to help put my clients in different places. Like, why would I not help you but and people reciprocate? People just expect so little nowadays. I think it's even someone emailed me through my website yesterday just saying like, hey, I just moved here from DC. Like I follow you on Instagram. Like if you have any shows I could do. And I responded and said, hey, like send me a tape. Happy to look at it and send it on to my producer. And he responded and was like, I can't believe you even wrote me back. And it's like, I, I have a list of people who don't respond to my emails and I will be putting them on blast <laughs> as soon as I am able to. Like we got I time. Will, we got time right here. I mean, it, I, no. I don't know if today's the day, <laughs> but like, no, it's definitely no. going to happen because I just think like, what are you losing from just, even if you just say no, it's like, that's better Respond. than just ignoring the email. Right. So, I mean, to answer your question about being a woman in comedy, I think there's just so much more, there's so many more considerations well, I don't know. I've never been a man of comedy, but it seems to me like <laughs> there's a lot more like pressure around like every single aspect of what I do, like even just down to what I wear on stage. And I have to just be so thoughtful about you just have to be so thoughtful about every word you, you pick and everything you wear and everything you're presenting on stage, because a guy can walk up there in a hoodie and jeans and his pajamas, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. But for a woman, if she goes up there looking sloppy, then she's like a mess. But if you go up there, you know, showing too much skin, then they're not going to take you seriously. Or if you're like wearing glasses, like every single thing you have on is like being studied I didn't when you're think on stage. About it. I like didn't either. That. Wow. Because but yeah, it makes so much sense. If you think about like, I never, I would watch tapes of myself because when you put clothes on, right? Like you're not usually just standing in front of people for 10 minutes. You're moving around. So I would look at my, like what I was wearing and you just see yourself like standing still and clothes start to look so weird. Yeah. It's just, a, it's a lot. And I, I care about my appearance. So that's just something, a little something about me. Um, <laughs> and so I do put a lot of thought into those. We, we do too. We're, yeah, we, that, we, we try. Sometimes we don't want to be I seen I take either. videos of myself before I, I'll go on camera yeah. to see what it looks just, like. Of course. Like, I have my, my phone camera is almost exclusively facing my face. You've got to check it out. Because I'm not what I see my surroundings with my eyes, you know, well, I it can, is, but I can't see my face. I can't see my face. So. And it's a lot of pressure too. There is a stigma that comes with being a woman on stage in comedy immediately. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people that'll go, women aren't funny. Women, So many people still think that. And it's like, sometimes there's still shows I do where I'm the only woman and like, I think in some ways it can benefit you because like you're breaking up the monotony, but in other ways it's like, 
I don't really care what that girl has to say. So that's why, you know, there is definitely added pressure, but you just have to be really funny, I guess. Good job. How do you deal with that pressure? I get really anxious right before shows or if it's a big show, like I had a show last night that I was like hosting and put together. So I felt anxious, like in spurts throughout the day, but I took class and, you know, try to like rid myself of the anxiety, but it's, it's not as bad as it used to be. Like when I was first starting, I would get super anxious before every show. And now it's really only before like big shows. And do you breathe before you go on? Do you have any like little... Your mind kind of just, mind just goes blank pretty much right as I'm getting on stage. Yeah. And then, um, I just, you do your set. It's, it's interesting too. I've been thinking about this. I have a chronic shoulder pain and so pretty much all the time my shoulder hurts, but when I'm on stage, I never think about it. Like when I'm sitting down and my mind is, is not focused on some, like even at work all day at the desk, you know, it's like, I'm just trying to stretch it out. But when I'm on stage, I've never, I have no memories ever of my shoulder hurting on stage. It's like weird. I totally understand that. I, I mean, leading up to everything, there's so many thoughts in your mind, but then when the lights go on, I know you get it too. It's like, it's all good. good. You're, Cause it's, it's, you're, you're on. Yeah. Like, right. There's nothing there's else. Nowhere nothing else matters go. or exists. <laughs> right? that, it's, it's kind of a really cool, like meditative type process, right? There's one focus, one thing. So your comedy itself talks about everything. It is unabashed. It is raw. It is real. All of the adjectives I can come up with right now. First and foremost, to talk about, you talk about sex. You talk about your dating life. You talk about people in your life. Yeah. Every, all of the things. How did you have the balls to do that? I truly, well, so I don't know. Like I think growing up, my family really treated, it's three girls and three boys. And we just always were treated the same pretty much at least I was like my siblings closest to me in age are two two of my brothers and I don't know if being growing up close to them in age made me have like the confidence of a man but I just feel like I've always been kind of an open book and I'll talk with anyone about anything so it just felt natural to get on stage and just like put myself on blast a little bit and I was definitely nervous at first because when I you know if your parents are there it's like are you going to talk about sex but I ripped the band-aid off pretty early <laughs> and then it, from that that was just set the tone which was just like I'm going to talk about whatever I want I've definitely you know talked about certain people and maybe someone gets upset or they're like what if that person hears it I'm like they can talk to me about it but I don't care like, that, that's my question like when you actually talk about people in your life how do you decide to do that and like you've hurt their feelings you've said or they just have they come to you because we've talked about some people but we're like on the surface right. and we're just skimming it yeah. and it's we're like gentle. we're gentle yeah. yeah but my comedy I would say is it's usually not about like necessarily hurting people's feelings but just like oh well so like I talk about my roommates I talk about my family my siblings all that stuff it's never from like a mean place there's one joke I had that was about this girl who well we were hanging out with some friends and this girl was saying that the first time she went to the grocery store she was really scared um because she was a freshman in college she's like a very rich very very wealthy person um so she was saying it was like a bit i had about like white privilege or whatever um and i remember my brother was like what if she hears that i'm like i don't even think she'll connect that it was her who said it <laughs> like i truly think she's so far removed from reality that like yeah. she won't even be like i said that yeah you know so i don't i guess it's i I don't care to maybe almost a, like a dangerous level, but I just, I, it's just me being me. And I think people who are in my life at this point know that anything they do 
could be used for a bit and that's the risk you run that's what I mean not necessarily being saying something negative about someone but knowing that anything that anyone says around you can be usually people are flattered I would say in my experience or they're talking shit about me behind my back which either way I don't care but I was sleeping with this guy who was like super like ripped and I wrote like a bit about him and I was like a little nervous that he would be like mad but I mean it was all very like complimentary about him and he was like obsessed and I like sent him the video of it and um he like showed all his friends and now he's dating another comedian and I'm like Okay, chill. <laughs> Relax. Wow. Chill He's out. on the comedian train. Yeah. Okay. But does it make it difficult in dating when people know that you're a comedian and knowing that on a first date, literally anything they do can be used? They, I would say guys are like almost obsessed with the fact that I might use that. Like they think it's like cool that they're like, are you going to make a bit about this? I'm like, well, you're not that interesting. So probably not. But <laughs> You know, if they say something, they know. I mean, I'm upfront about it. Like if when I ha- was on the dating apps, I had comedian in, in my like profile. So they knew what they were getting into. A lot of them would try to like be cute and funny. Like, oh, how are you going to screenshot this? Oh, it's of- terrible. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. This is so interesting to me because where do these guys get off? Because first of all, I would be concerned about did I have food in my teeth? Did I, did I say something dumb? I would be replaying the entire night in my head afterwards. Yeah. But they're like. Are you going to use this? They're, yeah. Because no, men are I'm so thinking, narcissistic. Did I have sex well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like, but, that. but they don't question they themselves. Don't question men don't question themselves. If I was a, if I was like a civilian, non-comedian, going on a date with a guy, I would definitely be freaked out because I'm a woman. So I'm questioning everything. But for men, they're just like, oh, I probably just gave her the best sex of my life. And that was the best first date ever. You know what I mean? But at this point, it's like, I really am just like dragging dudes in my comedy. So I do wonder if people that have like screwed me over in the past are like ever worried that I'm going to call them out, but they should be. They should be. Yeah. Yeah. Eyes up, man. Mm -hmm. Going back to your nerves and being on stage, do you think that your nerves have decreased over the years due to the fact that you are now prepared in a different kind of way I always feel like preparation really curbs all of that for me yeah I think being I definitely get more nervous if it's like a newer set or one that I don't have down as like second nature like there's a set I've been doing for a few months that I know like the back of my hand so I don't get as anxious about that aspect of it but there's also just like a calmness that comes with just performing a lot so at first, like when I first started, I was a good joke writer, but I've become such a better performer since then. And like, there's just like a comfort level being on stage. And so you can't, but you can't fake that. Like you really can only get that by doing it experience, which I have a lot more appreciation for. Like when I first started, I kind of was like, why aren't things moving faster? Like I'm, I want like success now. Like why am I not getting it? But I think I have a lot more just like respect for the process now because it works. Like I auditioned for comedy centrals up next last year and I thought I had a good set, but like I wasn't ready. And looking back on it, like I know why I didn't get it. And this year I was so prepared and like I had been just like working my ass off. So when I got it, it felt like a reward of hard work. It just felt nice to see the the hard work pay off. Why Mm -hmm. did you think you didn't get it? I just was too new. Like I had only really been doing comedy for like two and a half years. And I think there were other performers who had been doing it longer and it showed. Yeah, it's hard to kind of like face that sometimes, but that's just that it's the facts. And what does working your ass off look like? What is your process in this? 
My process. So I do a lot of stand up. So that's really um, going out, you know, five or six nights a week on a good week and just doing shows. And sometimes you have a show in Bushwick and in, you know, Upper West Side in the same night. And you kind of are just like you have to just be everywhere. Um, no, nope. and would this that. is just not <laughs> saying a very she, small radius. <laughs> no. And that's what I, that's how I live my life, too. I don't want to go anywhere. I'll only really travel for like comedic purposes. <laughs> For your work, um, for your yes, job. exactly. But just, for same for you. You have to travel to your studios, but it's during the day at certain Bevan hours. Yeah. These are like night hours, and yeah. I don't know. This Could would never. be very interesting. And it's been, it's definitely been tough working full time while doing that because late nights and then you're up in the morning. But while all that's going on, you kind of also have to be like creating content all the time. And so, like, I wrote a screenplay, I wrote a pilot. Like, you're just like finding those gaps in your schedule where you can fit that stuff in. And for me, people are like, I don't know how you do it. You stay up so late and you're up so early. It's like, cause I love it. That's the only reason why if you are in comedy and you don't love it, I don't know how you're doing it because it will tear you down. I've had days where I've had to like go home from work cause I'm like lightheaded and dizzy cause I'm so tired and running yourself into the ground kind of thing. But I've kind of tried to like have this mindset where it's like burning the candle at both ends is more light. That's kind of what God. I've been trying to like lead with. My God, I'm going to put that on my phone because I just (laughs) burn it. I mean, I, I get that completely. And I, yeah, yeah, we both are like trying to do all these different things and fit it in. And people are like, oh my God, we'd love to have this next podcast. Like, do you guys do this weekly? And we're like, we're fucking trying. We're trying to get this out here, but we also have real jobs and we also are trying to afford our lifestyles that we really like to have you no know? i'm it's upset a, yeah yeah it's, it's like, tough when you, you set a standard for yourself you don't want to yeah. sa- like sacrifice that. well i think it's very hard when you want to live on your own completely support yourself and support yourself in a city that maybe is above your means uh and and try to prove yourself in a certain way it's extra hard to do so totally. yeah. and do that job that you love to do that's why i admire the fact that you also still have ha- kept your job during the day and then also done your night job it took me six years to being in PR, still maintaining clients before I could completely transition to TV. Yeah. I could not support myself otherwise. I had to have those clients. And all you this entire time, you've had to do, we've both had to do two jobs in order to even put this out too. Yeah. And we hope to transition one day to doing this completely, but it's just the way that life is and the yeah. way that life goes. I wanted to ask you though. So if you're creating a new bit, mm-hmm. you sit down with pen and paper, mm-hmm. you just start writing how does this work for you usually what will happen is something will come up conversationally or I'll have a thought and I'll write it in my notebook in one of my notebooks I I love tiny notebooks my like room is littered with them so if the bit like stays in my head like I'll write it in Evernote which is where I have all my sets pretty much and like all my jokes are logged in Evernote and they're organized by topic what is that Evernote yeah it's like an app where it's it's just basically a no, like a digital notebook okay where, but it's like much more organized than having things on paper so then from Evan's there like, Sign me yeah no it's incredible I'm obsessed then from there I'll usually try to either work the bit into an existing set and see it like a lot of my comedy is thematically it's about my life so it's like usually if I have a bit about like my gay roommates and I want to write a new bit about 
my gay best friends, like I can just do those kind of together and then you see if it hits or if it doesn't. And usually you have to try it a few times to, you know, figure it out. But then once you know that you have like a good premise that works from there, it's really just about like refining it. So like the set that I have right now, that's like seven ish minutes. It was like 12 minutes, but you just, you have to shave things off. Like if I had more time, in a set maybe I would do the longer version but when you really need to just condense it down to like these are the jokes that work every single time that's really how that's my process I know everyone has a different one but for me it's really just like I have an idea or something comes up in conversation that's funny and I write it down do you try this out on your friends on your sometimes like my roommates are really a big part of my process because they like know me so well and so I'll usually be like I want to write a bit about like so I had this idea for a bit about um how a woman in a relationship with an IUD is like thoughtful family planning when a single woman has an IUD that's just a slut with health insurance so I told that to my roommates and they were like that's good do it and then I did it and then it was you know it it, it was funny it was good it was good yeah Um, and it's like, you know, relatable, but I do try to run things by them cause they are, have pretty good taste at this point. Have you ever bombed? Yes, absolutely. What does that feel like? It's pretty terrible. I mean, at a certain, when, when you're first starting and you bomb, it feels like the end of the world. But then if you bomb, like I had a not great set this week at a random like restaurant, like in their basement. And I was like, I just, it doesn't really get to me as bad anymore, especially if I'm doing jokes that I, I know are good. So when you say bomb, are you just not hearing like as many laughs, as many claps? Like what to you? Like, what is it feeling up there? Because I just want to know from your perspective, like it's like I just can't wait to get off stage type of deal. But you have to do your time. So gotcha. I mean, yeah, it's it's really hard when you're playing to silence. But I mean, knock on wood, that doesn't happen so often. Yeah. So it's character building, I would say. <laughs> she always, she's like in class, she's like, guys, like, are you, are you there? Like, hello. You know, yeah. I got it. I, I don't speak to that. I just speak to a camera. So I have right. no fucking clue. Some who's people out address there. it. Com- some comedians will address their bomb. I don't do that. I'm I got to like, tell you, I'm not proud of it when I address it in class. But, it's not something that I but support. But that's different, I think, than like a comedian doing it. If well, people are low energy in class and you want to pump them up, that's like a motivational thing, I think. Excuse me. It's also different. She's like, "Why? where are you guys? It's like, we're all fucking dying. Yeah. We, are, we can't even breathe because you're like on some path right now. Yeah. She is like, I'm going to kill you guys. I so, just need to clarify. I think okay. in all situations, if you address it, it sounds ego driven. Sure. It sounds like. But comedy is inherently ego driven. So it's like, I've seen male comedians, not just male comedians. I've seen all comedians bomb and some of them just handle it more gracefully than others that's the thing i would always want to be the person that just finished my set if it didn't work then you go home and you go home or you go do another show and that one goes well and then it's like the bad one never happened that's it did you ever cry i've never cried from bombing like i've just kind of you know you just on to the next i've definitely cried because of comedy though plenty of times what made you cry I had a manager that the relationship just like wasn't working out. And so every time I felt like I would talk on the phone with them, I would hang up and feel like really discouraged and upset. And then I decided to part ways with them at the end of last year because I felt like it just wasn't serving me. And it felt like a bad boyfriend that I just needed to like cut the cord and be on my own for a while. And I feel like that has definitely benefited me. So when did you get your first manager? And I got my first manager um, in 20, 
eight, I had a manager for a year. So basically for all of 2018. And um, I thought that having a manager was going to change everything, but you find out pretty quickly that it really doesn't. I found that out very quickly as well. Yeah. 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 So it, it was um, a super valuable experience for me because now I'm still unrepped and I'm having, you know, conversations, but I'm really being thoughtful and I'm not just going to sign with the first person that I talk to because now that I've already kind of done that, I just am like, okay, I don't want to be twice divorced, you know, no shade <laughs> to people who are twice divorced, but it's like the next one you want to have for a while. You want it to be like, Fine it's, for it's you. your team. You know, you really want to have a good relationship with them. So I'm being, I'm being more patient. That's awesome. Time. Yeah. I think it's so important to make sure that the person that you have representing you in any capacity understands exactly who you are yeah what it is that you're trying to do even sometimes before you can even see it exactly I mean that's the best case yeah. is that they kind of are always just having you in mind for things that you might not even see yourself doing but they have just like an instinct about it so totally that's what I'm looking for we love that so okay now we want to get into a little bit about this pamphlet thing okay the pamphlet of yes course, of course have to talk about i the have to talk about it sorry i mean i know it's no like, i don't uh, i'll talk about it till my it was just hilarious bleed, you know we didn't even know you and we were talking about it and we were like this is fucking genius like this is amazing so i guess this past may 2019 it was last year oh okay i just bad. i waited a year to post about it oh Okay, so this has been going on, but then you just waited to do this. So you basically were like, I'm going on this family vacation and I'm going on a date during this family vacation. Yes. And now that I I did not know about your five other siblings. Yes. So it makes a lot of sense now because I come from a gigantic, crazy Italian family and I, I brought in so many different boyfriends and it's like, oh my God, it gets a little much. Crazy. So you did this and like tell all of our neighbors about this pamphlet and what it is if they don't know about it. Sure. Already. So the pamphlet. Okay. So I met, I went to my friend's wedding in North Carolina and I was a bridesmaid um, and I knew she had a hot brother we had met once before and it was kind of like she was planting the seed on both sides like, oh, like Mary Beth's going to be at the wedding. Like we were flirting throughout the weekend, but I was deathly ill. Like I could barely speak on the Friday before and I had to give a speech that night. I was chugging night quill at the rehearsal dinner oh it was like terrible my voice sounded just like I had been smoking like a pack of cigarettes per hour like it was just really <laughs> bad so I was like well I'm sick this weekend so there's no way I'm gonna like hook up with her brother but then I don't know I guess I was able to charm him throughout the, yeah. the hoarseness of my voice sometimes and, it um, just happens sometimes like, it just happens so we did have like a little romance the night of the wedding and he lives in Miami so I live in New York that would be tough but I had a family vacation coming up in Pompano Beach, which is like an hour from Miami. So we decided to make the plan to see each other while I was on vacation. And I was texting my sister about it. And I was like, this is going to be so annoying to have to explain to everyone. Because not only was it my siblings, it was also like my aunts and uncles and cousins. We had two adjoining beach houses because there were so many of us. How so many? We've done this. It was like my 30 people. Done this. This At least 30 family. people. This is my family and in like I'm an like, adjoining house I, I could just picture myself telling everyone and then being like, what, what do you mean? Who is he? How old is he? Where do you know him from? How did you, well, like all these a million questions. You're taking the rental car? Well, you know. Are you going to marry him? Are yeah, you is he your boyfriend? What's going on? So I decided, I was texting my sister and I was like, how am I going to explain this to everyone? And she was like, I think she was just like, you should make a pamphlet, like jokingly. And I was at my desk at my day job and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I looked up like a Google template for a Google Slides pamphlet and I made this pamphlet with FAQs just thinking like, okay, preemptively, like, what do I think these questions are going to be? 
And so I put that together. I printed like 15 of them in color ink at my office and I packed them in my suitcase and brought them down. And then before the date, I handed them out just like an hour before to not leave too much room for any questions. I told my mom and my (laughs) sister before and then, you know, went on the date, came back the next day and I felt like they were well informed. They knew everything they needed to know. So that was a year ago. Then he ghosted me like a few weeks later. So we had been, we were texting a little bit, but then it just like tapered off and then I never heard from him. Miami. So I think I really just like suppressed the memory of the entire thing. Then like two months ago, my friend was like, Hey, remember when you made that pamphlet? Like that was really funny. And I was like, yeah, that was kind of funny, I guess. Like maybe I'll just, I looked at the pictures and then I tweeted it randomly on like a Wednesday morning. So I tweeted it and it was getting a lot of likes and retweets. And I was like, this is crazy. Like a few thousand likes. This is nuts. I got reached out to by Mashable and Buzzfeed and they were like, we want to write articles about it. And I was like, this is so random. It's literally a pamphlet I made for my family. Like the, it just, it was not like of all the things I've worked really hard on in comedy that have never gotten traction. And then this is like huge. So I got a bunch of other people reaching out for like quotes and comments and interviews. And then BBC radio wanted me to do an interview and I did an interview in Canada for one of the radio stations and it was just so crazy. And so it ended up getting like 60,000 likes and my friend texted me whose brother it was. She texted me a screenshot of her Instagram where she was getting all these DMs like, is this, well, I almost just said his name. She basically saying, is this your brother? Cause they knew the specifics of the wedding and everything. I felt bad that I didn't really give her a heads up, but she wasn't mad. Thank God. She said that he actually showed her because someone in his office, it said where he worked in the pamphlet, which is Spotify. <laughs> Unreal. So, which is a big okay. company. It's so. a huge company. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's not that small. But no. someone at his office showed him. So I haven't heard from him. You Still haven't heard out. from no. him. Unreal. Has your friend said anything on his behalf on why no. he ghosted? No, you? I haven't heard. I mean, I just assumed he like started seeing someone. That's kind of the assumption for me. Whatever, though. You I haven't mean, looked into that? I haven't. Well, he un- he unfollowed me on Instagram, so I unfollowed him. This was when he ghosted me. This wasn't recent. Well, I'm going to do a deep, dark dive I later. would love. I mean, he, it's pri- his Instagram's private, so it's tough. Okay. So I, I, yeah, I noticed he wasn't watching my Instagram stories anymore, and we hadn't texted in a little bit, so then I went and checked, and he had unfollowed me. I don't I don't get unfollow. I don't understand this oh, whole I situation. I don't, I do, Bevin. but not people I've... I don't had sex with and, okay the male that unfollows it's like there has to be some female in his life right. saying, like why are you looking really at upset that you guys were together or in photos together we had one of our girlfriends that had a, you know the guy was interested in the girl and his girlfriend actually like you know it was that you knew that they had a connection but his current girlfriend at the time found out about ooh, that connection ooh. she went off and then they had he had to unfollow her it was like look if it's stupid, creating drama in your relationship so absolutely yeah. unfollow me totally. i don't right, care right me exactly like be, fuck off forever that was but what it's also like said. i'm gonna see him again at some point i'm sure i'm still very close with his sister right. so it's just like at that point hopefully i'll just be like full-blown famous and i don't even care it's that's definitely in your cards but so. it also what we wanted to know is from that obviously articles different things what about more opportunities like yeah what is, what i is got come? a lot it was kind of the impetus for a lot of conversations like a lot of people who had been kind of like like knew who i was already but had eyes on you yeah they were like oh okay like let's set up a meeting type thing it all happened so quickly and like i don't know if the timing was a coincidence but it definitely felt like this huge thing that just like 
was really positive and good, which it was just so random because I never could have predicted that tweeting about that pamphlet would be. But I also got a lot of like people saying like, oh, my God, that like I need to do this for my family. Like this is so relatable. And I, I just I guess I didn't realize how many people deal with like invasive questions from their families and my family always does it, you know, out of love. But I think it was really eye opening to me. Someone actually emailed me through my website and said, um, thank you so much for posting this. Like I'm never going to ask my daughter these type of questions again when she goes on a date, like what's an appropriate question that I can, that I can ask. And I was just, just like, just ask if she likes the person. And if the answer is yes, then say, have a great night. You know, that's really, I give you a lot of credit. I'm happy that you did that. I'm happy that you did that for all of us. You've obviously made a statement and let's just keep it going with that. Yeah, I think you should really do a little book. I know. Well, now people are like, what, what's your next pamphlet? I just think communication is so important. Like I've always been very communicative. So just giving people all the information, I think you'll never regret doing like just, I don't know. Ever. So that's how I live my life. It's just being like oversharing and things. I wanted to ask you more about your dating life. Sure. You have done this series of like online dating. Confessions. Confessions. Mm -hmm. Now, if you had to give someone like online dating 101, Mm -hmm. what would your best piece of advice be? Don't do it. (laughs) That would be my advice. My sister met her husband. Yeah. And my cousin met her husband. (laughs) I think that's amazing, but... I would not recommend do it. it. It's such a, an investment of your time and energy. Yeah. If you are ready to take that on, like I actually genuinely think couples who meet through dating apps, like that is incredible because you have so many people at your fingertips, so many people flake or it falls through or you don't like pursue these things. You're going based off like six facts about the person and like six pictures. So if you can like establish like a real connection through just that information, like that those they're the real heroes. But I just don't have it in me anymore. I went on so many first. So I I was like pretty actively sleeping around for a while, like a few years after I got out of my last relationship. And then I decided at the end of last year, like I'm just so done with like fuck boys. And I just want to like, I'm going to try dating again. And I went on so many first dates from Hinge and I was opening myself up to it. I was like receiving it. And then I just was like, I can't do this. It's just so much time. Do you want a relationship right now? I don't know. I work on that a lot in therapy because I didn't want one for a really long time. I think what I want is just like to have a level of like mutual respect with someone who I sleep with and can communicate with without like having to put together an advisory board of my 12 best friends to like respond to their text. Like I don't want to send screenshots of our texts to my group chat. Just like how about we can just talk and I'm not stressed about it. Mm. <laughs> that, But that's a lot to ask in these, in, in these times, these I trying kn- times. I knew the moment I fell in love with my husband and I, it was before our first date. I sent him a text and I said, I didn't catch your last name. And he sent me a link to his Facebook and his Instagram. And he goes, this is what you really want. Wow. That is like badass. And then my pants fell off. <gasps> I love that move. Okay. Jot that down. That's good advice. Great advice, right? Like that's Give transparency. Go just, like, yeah. go in on it. You but know, that's I'm, Will. That's you know I'm Will looking is at it. very, what you see is what you get with him. He like. We're very similar in that fact. There's so Ryan, much like it's weird. It's very weird. Yes. But like also Ryan, it's like it, it, it took a long time to crack like that yeah. interior, even though it was, it was, inc- it was an incredible exterior. And I think that's, you know, but that's okay. But like it, if you, if you just, you're peeling back the layers a little bit, yeah. like that's a good thing. But yeah. I think w- what people have forgotten and I'm definitely one of them is that like courtship should be fun. 
Yes. It should be the exciting time where you yes. feel like you're like, you're giddy and you're you just high. see the person and like yes. texting them makes you excited. Like when I text with a guy, I'm like, I'm like shitting my pants. I'm just like, what if he doesn't text back? And like, what if I didn't use the right emoji here or like the right thumbs up here? And it's just like, there's so much like the texting game is a real art and I will, it's a real art it of is. learning how the person texts and learning like how to respond and be cool. And then there are the girls that text paragraphs and mm-hmm. pages and things and it's like oh my god I know so many guys my guy friends that are like I can't I, I only I get the last sentence but I don't even look at everything on the way up it's well, just that's like just too much that's just too much it's I don't much. foresee you being no. that person she's not that person she she texts in periods and it's like almost like oh, are, okay. you are you upset are you no, mad that's, that's or bold. what are you I, I had to yeah I had to like decipher that myself I was like I is think, she okay I think exclamation points give away our power so I that's agree. fine no, you're not wrong you're not wrong that's fine I I don't do a lot of exclamation points I do side slash Flashes okay. that just keep my conversation going but I totally understand with you it's like that advisory board of what you mm, want yeah and it's mutual respect because you also are in a career that you have to have someone that's completely comfortable within themselves within their being to support you and know that you're out on stage like you're going to be doing this and that's the priority I think that's what have that's what I've come to with like not knowing if I want a relationship or not it's like I know that I don't want anything distracting me from what I want to do and I think like just being hurt so many times by like people who just are so disrespectful and will say whatever to like get you to sleep with them and then never call you back it's like I've just been through so much the last three years where I'm not even really like open to like I'm just too scared of getting hurt so actually when I like someone I'll usually just withdraw or just like not pursue it because I don't want to get hurt and I know that that's, that's just like the truth. Which is so interesting because you're in a career that is based fully on being vulnerable and honest. Well, so here's and the thing rejection. with that. The thing with that is what I do on stage does not, it's way, I'm way more comfortable being intimate with in a room full of people that I don't know than I am when I'm like next to someone in bed. Like I can spill my guts to someone me if too. they're in the audience. Like I will talk about anything. And that, but if it's someone I'm interested in, I'm just like, even like I hooked up with someone this weekend and I was like, I realized that the, the morning after I always get super quiet because I don't want to say anything to spook them. That's exactly I can't even I be my own, like at night, super chatty. Like we're not talking about, you know, super deep stuff necessarily, but like I, my personality is there the next morning. I'm just like, I don't want to move. I don't want to do, like scare them away. And that's just like so sad. It's sad. The coolest thing though, I think that you can take confidence in is the fact that you're doing something that is just so like that is a representation of you. You're already putting yourself out there so front forward. Right. You can't hide that and you've got nothing to lose now by that's just true. like settling. It's so much easier said than done. No, right? but it, it's like, I know part of what appeals to me about being a comedian is like, I can have a bunch of people love me. And I don't have to give anything back. Nothing. I don't have to open up to them in like a, it's like false intimacy basically. And that's kind of appealing to me. Cause I'm like, and I don't know why I'm like this because like I have very like healthy relationship models. Like my parents are still married and like my siblings are all in healthy relationships. But for some reason I'm just like, I'm, I've become very guarded it's interesting so it's too. You found a career that you're in control of what you reveal and what you don't. Well, I have serious control issues. That's like one thing I talk about in therapy a lot because I had like food issues. When I resolve my issues around my like body dysmorphia and stuff, I just kind of transferred that controlling energy over to like my dating life. We sound a lot alike. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like a really common thing. Like it is. women, especially really like motivated and focused women. I think if you, I don't know, I'm like, I'm just a control freak and I think 
it does serve me in a lot of ways because I'm very like focused and I can get shit done. But then there's other aspects of it where it's like I can't control how someone else is going to be when I'm getting to know them or how they're going to behave when I'm texting them. Like I don't like not feeling like in control. I totally if I'm brutally honest, I think there was a piece of me that when I started dating Will was kind of maybe in a sense catering to whatever I thought that was that he wanted. Yeah. And then there eventually, no matter what, comes a moment where you can't hide it anymore. And all the realness comes out. And I was very lucky that somehow all of that realness is still what he wants. Yeah. You weren't very lucky. I can please go back. You weren't very lucky. I would say that he was very lucky to have had all the things that you you come with like there's not there it's not that he was very lucky at all I think a lot of times a lot of women think like because we're told sometimes and there's craziness that comes out with all of the different things that go through our minds yeah but they're crazy too but I'm not just talking crazy I'm talking I withheld I think certain I, I think I wasn't fully like when you're talking earlier about a 22 year old woman even though I was 30 when I met what it was 29 when I met Will no, I was 30. I was 30 when I met Will. I think that still I hadn't yet settled into my own yet. And I hadn't found t- my thing. Yeah, but it's nice that you were able to like reveal all of that and it was still a good match. Totally, but still I find myself in certain social situations now trying to control him. Interesting. I want him to be what I need in that moment. Yeah, and that's like, tough. That's really tough. Like I find myself really fighting to be like, why aren't you being funny, Will, right now? And he's like, this Because I don't want to be. But I think it's also the like the evolving process of all the relationships. Like you've seen him in different aspects and that comes out in different aspects too. I feel like everything kind of evolves. Like you're, you're yourself, you're who you are. Like, yes, we can be a little nuts sometimes. Yes, we can have like inner thoughts sometimes that come out into play. That's what it's going to be in a relationship. I don't think you, you, you can't, like if you're in a real, real relationship – there is nothing to hide anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't hide those things anymore. I know. And if it's... I just don't think people know how to do that anymore. Especially like young people on the dating scene right now. It's just like, it's so fucked. And I really don't think anyone's happy. Like, I don't think fuckboys are actually happy. I don't think no their way. behavior is... Definitely not. ...fulfilling or satisfying at all. And so I just think we have like a lot of just healing to do. And that's why I put up that show drag his ass because I'm just like we need to just like talk about this and make it funny and like make it a collective experience that we can all just acknowledge that like like last night there was I think almost 300 people at Chelsea Music Hall it was like 90% women if not more and like I put up the definition of like what is a fuck boy on one of the slides and I read it out and I was like who does this sound familiar to anyone and everyone clapped like Tell us what it is. Yeah. So it's a a definition from Urban Dictionary, but basically it's a guy who will do anything or say anything to get a woman to sleep with him, but he doesn't actually respect her and he only wants to hang out on his terms, which could be like at the most ridiculous hours of the day. If she's not available, he'll get pissy, but he'll cancel on her at any time. And essentially it's just like, it's a lack of like respect and I think the definition on Urban Dictionary is very thorough. So I encourage you to Google that at your earliest convenience. Definitely will. But I think it's just like I spent three years just getting screwed over and not realizing why I was upset. Like it's because I'm not my standards were just so low. I'm just really communicative now with people when I hook up with them. I'm like, I don't do one night stands. If we have sex right now, I'm going to want to hang out with you again. So if you don't want to do that, then we shouldn't. 
it's been better. It's still not great because sometimes guys will lie, but. But how amazing is it that you get to provide this like mirror of what is actually happening in the world to people in a, in a gentle way through comedy that allows us to look at it more and actually becomes more of our daily conversation. We feel less alone. Mm -hmm. We're then able to address it a little bit more. The more we put it out, the more I think people will stop. Yeah, that is, I really do think talking about it and just like inviting straight men to, and it, I, a fuck boy can be anyone. It's not just guys. I feel lucky that like this thing that I feel so passionate about is resonating with people. That to me is like obviously the goal with my comedy. And it was interesting last night because I did a fuck boy redemption with Carl Radke from Summer House. And I met with him last week to just talk about, you know, I didn't want to, I wasn't there to like embarrass him or be like, gotcha. You know, I wanted it to be like a productive conversation and I think, you know, he's like, I'm ready for like a relationship. He's like 33 or 34. It's like, yeah, this, this, these habits can't, they're not sustainable. And I just wonder what's going to happen to all these guys in their early and mid thirties who are like, well, I want a girlfriend now. It's like, well, maybe you should have th thought of that before you were sleeping with everyone and being a total douchebag. Because now there's a reputation around you and probably a yeah. few STDs that come with it. Yeah. And like, I mean, the and the, on it, and that's okay. Yeah. STDs are part of life. Part of but life. Yep. you, I don't know. When I sleep with people, I'm like, I'm giving them a piece of myself. And there's some people that I'm just so mad that I, that they have that now forever because they didn't do anything to deserve that. That's really tough. This show that's going on right now. Where can everybody find it? Like, what, what do you have going on this summer that all of our neighbors can find you at? Because we are like, we know you have a show coming up on June 12th. Yes. We have a concert that night. Uh, so we're like okay. trying to like. <laughs> that's going to be a weird show anyway. Okay. That show I'm doing, you know, the movie It Takes Two. With no, I'm stoked she, for this. I'm so pissed. She, I can't she was really pissed. It's just going to be go. so wacky. And like, if mm. anyone's seeing me there that. at the first, for the first time, that's the first time they're seeing me, they're going to be like, this person's absolutely unhinged. But I'm performing the movie as a one-woman show. June 22nd, I'll be performing at Clusterfest in San Francisco. Huge. And that's going to be on the Saturday of the festival. And John Mulaney's headlining that night. So I highly recommend anyone in San Francisco to come through. And then I have um, Drag His Ass in L.A. on June 27th. I have a few other shows that are like still in the planning phases. Like I'm definitely going to do Drag His Ass in New York again. That probably won't be till the end of the summer. Good. I'm here. Um, we're good. Yeah, that's yeah, better. But yeah. you guys should We're coming. Come. We are like, we're so there. We are so excited. We, we can't wait to come to one of your shows Yay. and be like, this no, it's going to be so fun. And we recorded Drag His Ass this time. So I'm probably going to like cut together some kind of like super cut of like the best the highlights because yeah it was just like really fun and good and I felt like I was like overwhelmed with just like how I don't know it just it's was so like a fun. great energy in the yeah. room and it was nice to look out and see all just these young women as much as it saddens me that so many people have been impacted by fuckboy behavior it's like at least we can just come together and laugh about but it we all have like yeah. it's not yeah it's no it's, one's immune right no one's immune to it we all have so what are your big goals for the future Get big about it. Yeah. I feel like people sometimes get shy talking about their goals, but I want to be like a huge star. Like I want to be in movies. I want to be, I want to have a TV show. I want to be a touring stand-up comedian. I want the world. Like I want it all. And I, I think if you can't even say it, if you can't vocalize it, then it's just harder to like really picture it for yourself. Totally. So right now that's just, I'm building all the groundwork for 
just like a huge career hopefully can you invite us like are we can yeah we of course I, I mean stuff? anytime yeah. you have my number text me we've got hairstylists we've got people. oh perfect <laughs> they do they do HMU Chelsea hair makeup, yeah, they do pay, uh, yeah amazing yeah <laughs> um no I'm like I'm excited for the future if it feels like good things are happening which is inherently kind of terrifying but I hope that I get everything that I want as selfish as that might sound but that's just how I feel I think you will Thank you. I really do. I think it's so important that you are able to vocalize and be honest about what it is that you want. Just understand what it is that you want. I feel lucky because I know people that don't know and that's so stressful. But you've done the work. Well, it feels good to know what you want to do and do the like do the work and feel like it's getting it's like productive. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, do the work in order to find out what you want. Well, that's the other thing. So I think a lot of people are just scared to like even try to do different, like signing up for improv class. Like what the hell, you know, I, that could have been a total failure, but there've been several moments throughout my life where I look back and I'm like, I don't really know what the exact motivator was for me to make that decision. But I mean, I'm grateful that I've, that I am where I am right now. You're an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Jump in. I guess our very, very last question would be, if you had to give someone a piece of advice, they're starting out towards a goal and they're not even sure where they're going or what it's going to be or how they're going to take the sleep or how they're going to jump, what would you say to them? One thing that I've always been really good at, and maybe it's because I'm the youngest and I am kind of a brat, but just like asking for help because people want to help. I think that we have this idea, like we talked about a little earlier, that like no one's going to be kind of like open to to like lending themselves to you for maybe just something that's completely self-serving. Like maybe they're not gaining anything from it, but being able to ask for help is just so important because I genuinely believe that, that it makes people feel good to be helpful. Like it's funny cause like, I don't feel like I'm so successful that I'm in a place to be giving advice, but people will reach out to me. They'll want to talk about like my experience in comedy. It's like, I feel good after those phone calls. Cause I don't know, maybe I'm rambling at this point, but I've just never been afraid to like email someone out of the blue and be like, and maybe they won't respond or they'll say no, but I've never been afraid to ask. Very good piece of advice. It's very hard for people to do that because they just don't want to hear the no or they don't want to see the silence. Right. And the fact that you're putting yourself out there in order to do that, it's a step above everybody else. It really is. And it will get, I mean, it's gotten me things like for all the no's, there have been yeses. I'm, I'm total. I turn every no I, I try to take every no and turn it into a yes or take every maybe and turn it into a yes. So the fact that you're even like jumping ahead of that and just putting yourself out there, it really, it shows who you are. It shows your character. Mary Beth, thank, thank you. you so thank much. You this was so fun.